Hello and welcome to Patented, a podcast by History Hit, all about the history of inventions and the origins of things. I'm Dallas Campbell. Now, today I'm handing over the mic to a sister podcast of ours at History Hit. It's called Betwixt the Sheets with Kate Lister. You may have heard of it. You may have listened to it. It's all about the history of sex, scandal and society. And to give you an idea of the topics, in the last couple of weeks, they have done episodes about medieval murder, a Roman dildo that might have actually been a pestle, and Lord Byron's daddy issues. Anyway, we've picked out one of their episodes that we felt like it might fit in on Patented, and it's all about the origins and the slightly weird history of vasectomies. The snip. Kate's guest for this one is Georgia Granger, who has been studying the social history of vasectomies at Strathclyde. So brace yourself and cross your legs for an exploration of the origins of vasectomies and the quacks and the pseudoscientists that have been mixed up in their history. By the end of this, you will never look at Sigmund Freud or goat's testicles in the same way again. Be warned, as if you need to be warned, this episode, as you might imagine, does contain graphic descriptions of vasectomies and liberal discussions of the male anatomy. So sit back, relax, try not to wince. Enjoy the show. Georgia, I'm so thrilled that you are here and that I can speak to you about this. First of all, let's introduce you and then we're going to introduce the subject, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. So you are Georgia Granger and you are a third year PhD student at the University of Strathclyde and you are researching the history of vasectomy. Yes, I am. (laughs) That's just spectacular. How did you get into that? Um, kind of a roundabout way. So I had focused a lot on masculinity in my undergraduate and my master's, but primarily on like gay masculinity and queer masculinity and stuff like that. So I was kind of interested in studying men, but I was looking usually at marginalized men. And then this kind of opportunity came up to look at vasectomies because it's not really been studied. There's been a lot of study of contraceptives and like abortion and that kind of thing. That's been a growing area of study, but nobody's really looked at vasectomies. It's so true. And I thought that was really interesting because for as much as I was looking at the hidden histories of marginalized men and silenced men, this was like a silenced area of history for the dominant group, predominantly straight men. And so that really interested me. So that's kind of how I got into it. It's so true, because when you think about birth control and about surgery around birth control, is you immediately go to hysterectomies, contraceptive pills, all of those things. And there's this whole history of vasectomy that we don't really think about, do we? And, you know, when I knew I was going to be talking to you, I suddenly had that moment, which I'm sure you did, of like, God, yeah, why aren't people talking about this? But I want to start right at the, right with basics, mm-hmm. as far back as we can go. What's a vasectomy? Let's just start there. So a vasectomy is where the vas deferens, which are the little tubes that come out of the testes where the sperm are made, it goes into the bit where the sperm's incorporated into the semen, so to make it nice and gloopy. Uh-huh. I love that. Before being ejaculated. And so the little tubey bits are the vas deferens and they are cut. And that stops the sperm going into the semen. So semen is still produced, but it doesn't have any sperm in it. Doesn't have the gloop. Well, it's still gloopy. It just doesn't have any, uh, I was going to say nutritional value. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> you can say have any uh, genetic value. It's no good for you at all. No, exactly. <laughs> um, so it means that it is sterile and cannot be involved in conception. Sterile gloop. Thank you so much. Because what I was thinking about was this is like, I don't know much about the history of vasectomy, 
But the history of castration, that's quite long, isn't it? And these are different things. Yes. So castration is usually where the testicles themselves are removed or the testes are removed. Yeah. So that interacts with like hormone levels that reduces testosterone and stuff like that. Vasectomy does not affect hormone levels at all. So it's kind of, they're quite linked. I know a lot of people think of them together, but they are separate things. So vasectomy purely makes it so that the man is sterile, whereas castration affects testosterone levels and other hormone levels. Castration, there's no gloop at all. There's no gloop at all. Do you know what? I should have said this right at the beginning. This could be a little bit graphic. And that if people are sat there eating their breakfast or whatever they're doing... <laughs> Just buckle up, just go with us. Yes, I've got too used to talking about it, but it can be a little bit graphic. And then also I do talk about eugenics and stuff, which is pretty grim. So you've got a really like high shock value of just... Yeah, yeah. I'm just used to writing about the awful stuff and the weird stuff. Just semen, testicles and castration at nine in the morning. Yeah. Brilliant. So that's what it is. So can I ask you, this might be a bit difficult, but what do we know when the first vasectomy happened who it was and what the hell did they think they were doing at the time (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it feels like this should be the basic kind of start of a history of vasectomy and this took me about three years to start figuring it (laughs) Um, wow okay because there's no history of vasectomy written all these different sources kind of mention like oh the first vasectomy was performed by so-and-so and they all mention different people um in different years so i'm like okay great So I think the first one was by Félix Guillaume and he was French and that was 1885. He performed something kind of like a vasectomy on a human. Something like a vasectomy. Well, (laughs) that's not what anyone wants to go in for. I know. Some sources say that he only blocked the vas deferens instead of cutting it, but I don't know how he blocked it. And also now there are implant vasectomy things that are being trialed that are basically the same thing. So I'm like, if they count as a vasectomy, then what he did count as a vasectomy. Basically, he stopped the sperm getting to the gloop. So that counts. He blocked it. Yes, I don't know how. (laughs) We don't. (laughs) A stapler. Yeah, maybe. But so he possibly did the first one in 1885 on a human. It had been tried on dogs before that. They knew that neutering a dog, so castrating a dog was helpful in some ways, like, first of all, for making sure you don't get puppies unexpectedly. True. But also for like dog's behavior and stuff. Sometimes people do that to lower aggression and stuff because it affects testosterone levels. Stop them humping your leg. Yeah. And also they thought that if the dog or if a human had an enlarged prostate, that this would reduce the size of the prostate. Does it? No, it doesn't. (laughs) But for a while, they really thought it did. So that was actually Guillaume's first one was to reduce the size of a prostate in a man with an enlarged prostate. Do we know if it worked or if he thought that it worked? Well, so there were a lot of reports for like 30, 40 years that it worked, but it's not used for that now. I think we just have much better ways of doing that now. Do we know who the, I was going to say victim, but well, do you know who the patient was? No, I don't know who the patient was. I'm trying to find a lot of these medical records or like, they're kind of part medical record, part experiment records. Yeah. And they're all over the place and quite difficult. But I do know that there was a doctor in London called Reginald Harrison in 1894, who was doing them quite a lot. And he wrote about them quite a lot, again, for prostate atrophy. So if you're listening, just this is going to make me wince and I don't even have this equipment. But um, this would have been done without anaesthetic. Is that right? Yes, that is right. (laughs) They would have had cocaine or alcohol. I've seen stupider things done under the influence of those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that would go quite a long way to maybe making it less unpleasant. But yeah, they didn't have our, you know, lidocaine injections or local anesthetic or whatever. Oh my God. And they didn't have general anesthetic to knock men out. So this was around the time that chloroform was starting. So they might have got a wee bit of chloroform to help as well. So they'd have been groggy or high. Yeah, exactly. Cocaine was quite a good local anesthetic. So they might have had it injected or massaged in (laughs) jesus that's a hell of a come down that one isn't it that's something else yes 
So they'd have been awake-ish mm-hmm. and there wasn't antiseptic either, was there? No, there wasn't. And there wasn't really antibiotics either. So if you got an infection in that, in the healing process, which happens yeah, sometimes, like not all the time, but if that happened, you don't have your injections or tablets of antibiotics. So you just get, I guess, gangrene or (laughs) sepsis or whatever starting in your testicles. Or more cocaine rubbed on your balls. Yeah. See, these are the pioneers of vasectomy history and we don't know anything about them. These poor fellas who had their testicles rubbed with cocaine and then, oh my goodness. (laughs) And the dogs as well. We'll give a shout out to them. Yes, the dogs went through a lot. There was a doctor who did a lot of vasectomies on dogs in like the 1820s and 30s or something. Oh, it would never pass ethical review now, would it? I don't think so. All right, I could spend a long time going into the real gore stuff with this, <laughs> but I'll try and move it along. Why were they doing this? So the, the first one was to try and reduce an enlarged prostate. Yes. So in the beginning, was it about not getting people at the duff? No, not really. It was mainly for the prostate stuff to start with. So enlarged prostate can quite often come with age as well. Older men are more likely to have an enlarged prostate. So it was kind of seen as like maybe it would help older men to reduce their prostate size. But then there was also this doctor who started doing a lot of essentially early endocrine research, so early hormone research. Right. And he did a lot of stuff around injecting blended testes into people (laughs) to give them like (laughs) What would be now seen as like a testosterone injection. Yes. But they hadn't quite got to that stage. So it was just, we'll take the whole testes of like a monkey and blend it up and inject them. This doesn't work, by the way. Please nobody try this no, at home. Please don't castrate animals and blend them up. That's not good. No, no, no. Go and see your GP. They also did guinea pig testes. Oh my God. The literal guinea pig. And I have guinea pig and they are tiny. Like, why? <laughs> that's not going to do anything. You need a lot of guinea pigs to get an injections for. Not going to do anything for the guinea pigs either. No. So, so they were doing this in the idea that by sort of like boosting their own testosterone levels, they would be kind of rejuvenated and yes. vital. and Exactly. So they had connected some of the impacts of testosterone without quite realizing it yet. Yeah. So that was things like increased strength, supposedly, and increased virility was one of them. So like... Is this about erections? Yes. Stronger erections. Yes. And curing erectile dysfunction and stuff like that. And now these things, you can get prescribed testosterone for them. So we do think that works to some extent. But not like this is a bad method. This is not a good method. And so this guy who was doing all the blending up of animal testicles and stuff, he also then decided that it would be a great idea to give vasectomies on the basis that maybe it's the the sperm getting reabsorbed that is giving these incredible health benefits. I see. Like rejuvenating the men. So that the sperm, instead of going to the goop and coming out of the body and being wasted, you're wasting all this life energy and life force that you reabsorb that and suddenly you're going to be 20 years younger and stronger and amazing. Okay, so we've got people who are liquidizing monkey testicles to try and be better in bed. And we've now got vasectomies being used to kind of like stop the sperm getting out and allow it to flow through your body and kind of transform you into like a sexual hulk. Yes. Yeah, so this is the same guy. He's called Eugene Steinach and he was nominated for the Nobel Prize in physiology like six times. He never got it. But for some of this research, he also had research that was around supposedly curing homosexuality with some of these injections. Cancelled. We've cancelled him. Yeah, he's very cancelled. I mean, for so many reasons. Yeah. But yes, injecting people with animal testicles to try and cure homosexuality is not great. It's out there, isn't it? I mean, so who who was being injected with this? Like, is there famous people? Do we know of any high profile? The injections really took off. They became quite trendy in a lot of Europe and America, actually. There was people across Europe and America that were getting these injections. There were also 
some famous people got the Steinach vasectomies. So sometimes yeah. the Steinach vasectomies were one-sided, so they'd only snip one vas deferens. Um, it was at half price. Yeah. <laughs> so you're reabsorbing 50% of your sperm, oh. but you can still get someone pregnant, I guess, is the benefit oh, I of see, that. I see the logic. Yes. Okay, right. Okay. Um, so you can put your improved erections to good use. Um, <laughs> Hashtag science. Yes. <laughs> so Freud actually got a Steinach vasectomy. Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud Freud. Freud Freud. Oh my goodness. Um, and Interestingly, it was not for a Freudian reason, because when I first found out that he got one, I was like, oh, is it some sort of like weird, you know, mother thing was imagining it was his father or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it was actually because he had jaw cancer. Oh, my. and this was to cure his jaw cancer. Now, that is some struggled thinking to get there, isn't it? There's <laughs> how does having a vasectomy help your jaw? Well, first of all, it doesn't. But the thinking was that cancer was a part of an aging process. So, you know, it's your cells degrading and stuff. So you're more likely to get cancer as you get older and therefore it's an aging process. So something that is anti-aging is going to reverse the effects of cancer. And he had already had like radiotherapy. He'd had surgery and stuff. This wasn't his first choice. God, no. But he obviously wasn't getting anywhere with those things and was like, well. May as well. Maybe a vasectomy will help. And it didn't. Okay. So this is about reversing the aging process, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? Have you ever heard that thing that semen's supposed to be really good for your skin? Yes. Yeah. And they're having these operations to, you know, mangle their goop. Well, so that they get the benefits instead of giving them to all their wives. Of course. Of course that's what's going on. You don't want to waste it on your wife. Oh my God. <laughs> poor, no, I was going to say poor Freud, but no, silly, silly man. Yes. Uh, so Freud did this. Freud got one. Um, The Irish writer W.B. Yeats yeah. got one as well. Was this a cancer thing? No, it was not a cancer thing. It was just an aging thing. He had found that he had like real writer's block and he also had low libido. Well, who wouldn't get an operation on the genitals when they've got writer's block? Exactly. Well, he was like, you know what? I'm feeling very uninspired both in my creative work and also sexually. So maybe I need a vasectomy. And it worked for him. Okay. He said that he went through a second puberty because he was like a horny teenage boy. Right. He didn't use those words. But there's no medical evidence that that would actually work. Not really. So this is a placebo. This is placebo. There is evidence that a lot of men do report better sex lives after a vasectomy. Oh, I didn't know that. But it's because they don't have the worry about pregnancy. Uh, so it takes away any of the stress and that kind of thing. Okay. So a lot of them report finding it more fulfilling and satisfying and everything because they're not having to worry about that. So it could be to do with that. But also there is a whole, like the fact that he he started writing a lot more as well. And he had some really creative writing moments and stuff. Because of his goop. Yeah, because apparently... His magic goop. <laughs> the creativity is in the sperm. Who knew? <laughs> creative juices were not flowing. No. Or they were. They were just... <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, if it worked for him... Yeah. Ish. Although he did say that his general health got worse afterwards because of the stress of keeping up with his second puberty. No. Yes. Oh. So I think he was having so much sex that it was affecting his health. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too tired to write. Yeah. Oh, bless him. So so we've got oh, we've got people using it to reduce prostates. There are vasectomies to try and improve libido, vasectomies to Reverse the aging process. <laughs> Vasectomies to aid writer's block, yeah. which is an interesting one. When did it start? Because I wouldn't have thought of any of that when it came to a vasectomy. So yeah. when did it start being used as contraception to stop babies? Yes. So it started being used kind of as involuntary contraception. Well, that doesn't sound good. During the eugenics oh. movements. Yes. Right. Okay. Tell me about that. Not super fun. So this was at the same time. So in the very early 1900s in the US, it started being used. There was a doctor in Indiana who, without any legal backup or anything, just decided that he was going to vasectomize a bunch of prisoners. He vasectomized like 500 of them. Wow. And then started pioneering 
laws across the US to bring this in as a general thing. What was his name? He was called Dr. Sharp. (laughs) (laughs) That's not funny. That's not... I know. Terrible man, extremely cancelled, but very much nominative determinism. Oh, that's unfortunate. Can you just explain a little bit about what eugenics is? So we're really clear on that. What is it? Yes. So eugenics comes from the belief that a lot of traits are passed on. And therefore, if we sterilize or kill or otherwise stop certain people passing on their genes, that we will create a cleaner and purer race. And it is quite often used specifically against disabled people and mentally ill people and those kind of groups and also against non-white people. So it is what Hitler was doing with a lot of the sterilization and the killing and that kind of stuff. It started in the US. It started mainly in California, had the biggest sterilization program for eugenic reasons. And it wasn't a fringe quack movement, this, was it? No, it was huge in America and Canada and in a lot of Europe, a lot of Western Europe, it didn't get legalized in the UK, but they had a committee on voluntary eugenic sterilization, they called it, which was basically if you were institutionalized for health or mental health or something like that, behavioral stuff, that you would be offered sterilization and if you took it you might be freed oh my god so it's coercive yeah because you want your freedom so you'll do what it takes to get your freedom but they said it was voluntary because you're agreeing to it instead of it being forced on you so forced slash voluntary slash not really voluntary yes vasectomies starts in american prisons as part of this idea that we can breed a better race by stopping undesirables from breeding. Well, it started actually because they thought it might correct the behavior of the prisoners. They thought that like dogs, when you castrate them, it doesn't even work on dogs when you give them a vasectomy, but they thought that maybe violent offenders would become less violent or sexual criminals would become less sexually motivated and stuff like that. That didn't work, but at some stage this kind of morphed into, well, these people would be bad parents anyway, so we should stop them from being parents. And do we really want more people like this in society? We should stop them passing on their genes because they clearly have bad genes. Wow. And obviously this completely ignores any influence on people's behavior that might come from like class or poverty or, you know, abuse or anything like that. It was like, no, it's in their DNA. And we want to stop it. They were sterilizing women as well, weren't they? They were, yeah. So they were sterilizing men and women. Different countries had different balances. So some countries sterilized more women than men and other countries sterilized more men than women. And give me an idea of dates. When did this start? So Dr. Sharp did his first ones in 1899, I think it was. And then this continued until... Canada had eugenic sterilization laws into the 1970s. 70s? Yes. Holy, wow. Okay. So the decade Star Wars came out, they were still... Yeah. (gasps) It was still legal in some cases. In fact, in the UK and in other countries, you can get a court ruling to sterilize someone against their will because they have a disability or something like that. So depending on your perspective, it's still going on. But it was major programs were up until the second world war the fact that the nazis used it made it fall a bit out of favor people didn't want to do what the nazis were doing okay this is quite a dark and nasty history then isn't it it is it's pretty grim and even though it wasn't legalized in the uk they were super aware of it you know these discussions were taking place in the medical journals like the lancet and the british medical journal They were having back and forth discussions about, look at Sweden bringing in eugenic sterilization laws or look at the Californian experience, they quite often called it. And this was involuntary, a lot of it. This was different levels of voluntary. That just doesn't sound good, does it? Different levels. Exactly. And the British eugenicists quite often said that it was going to be voluntary in Britain if they got what they wanted. But then when they brought a private member's bill to parliament, the MP who was kind of presenting it, 
said, oh, but this would just be a step on the way to involuntary sterilization. So he kind of scuppered it for them because they were trying the whole way to be like, no, we would only ever do voluntary. This would only ever be a voluntary thing. And then he said, oh, no, no, this is part of the plan. So funny enough, that didn't really help. And is part of the reason that it didn't get passed in the UK. Well, thank God. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why were medieval priests so worried that women were going to seduce men with fish that they'd kept in their pants? Who was the first gay activist? And what on earth does the expression sneezing in the cabbage mean? Well, I'll tell you, it's not a cookery technique, that's for sure. Join me, Kate Lister, on Betwixt the Sheets, the history of sex scandal in society, a podcast where we will be bed-hopping throughout time and civilization to bring you the quirkiest and kinkiest stories from history. What more could you possibly want? Listen to Betwixt the Sheets today, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. A podcast by History Hit. Right, okay, so vasectomies, we've got guinea pigs and monkeys and jaw cancer and writer's block through to eugenics, Mm -hmm. Nazis, preventing birth. When did it start getting to the point where people would go, this sounds like a good idea that I will voluntarily... When you think of vasectomy, I don't think of all of this awful stuff. Do you just? I mean, I don't know why I don't, but it's just... I didn't until I started this. My project was originally going to be from about 1970 to 2000. And all of this happens. I mean, what we've covered so far goes up to about 1945, you know, Second World War. Um, And I was like, no, I really need to include all this stuff that happened in the early 20th century because it's so interesting. And then there's kind of a quiet period after the Second World War. It's going, we'll leave people's nuts alone. They've been through enough. Yeah, I think they were kind of like, we've got more important things to do. We're still rationing. We still need to like rebuild the country, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But so then in the 1960s, it starts to become a little bit more acceptable. There's an organization who were actually for population management. Oh, that sounds dodgy. This was part of the overpopulation crisis of the 1960s and 70s. Okay. And this was driven by the belief that developing countries were having too many children and that we were going to run out of land and food and everything. And this became quite a big deal in the US, again, mainly. And they started funding contraceptive programs around the world. Oh, did they? Yes. Because America doesn't have a great rap for doing that at the moment, does it? No, I mean, when I say they were funding contraceptive programs, I mean, they were saying to India that they would deny food relief if they didn't provide sterilization en masse to their population. Just as I was thinking, well done, America, that's quite progressive. No, 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 you can't have food unless you get this done. Some of them were progressive because of the people involved in them. But they were not especially picky about how they were carried out. And they would wait until there was a major scandal and then they would say like, oh, we didn't know that was happening. But no, so they were funding mainly in like India, China, a lot of Asia. They were funding these population control programs. But this is around the time that in Britain, an organization called the Simon Population Trust is funded again to control the population. They were looking to find methods that would be more favorable to more conservative and religious audiences. Okay. You know, uh, Catholicism tends to teach that contraception is bad. Were they all right with the vasectomy? No, they weren't. But the Simon Population Trust thought that they might be. (laughs) 
Ah, <laughs> like the soft sell. Okay. Yeah. So they thought, well, this sounds better than abortions. And this sounds better to conservative audiences than abortions. So what we'll do is we'll start sterilization programs. And they were kind of founded on the kind of global idea, but they actually mainly operated in the UK. And they started the first vasectomy clinic in 1967. See, when you just start in these Pandora boxes of madness, it just goes on and on and on. So the first vasectomy clinic was actually being funded by like a religious interest organization trying to control... Kind of, mostly just overpopulation concern. But yeah, and the chairman of that organization was a guy called Dr. Carlos Patton Blacker. They've got great names, if nothing else. They, they do. They've got great names. He had been the chairman of the British Eugenic Society in the lead up to the Second World War. <laughs> there it is. See, <laughs> just as you're thinking, yeah. And it's just all going back to eugenics, isn't it? Yeah, it was still very much based on the fact that we need to control how much the, quote, undesirable people wow. are repopulating and are reproducing. But it kind of shifted from being specifically disability-based and specifically health-based and specifically criminality-based to being just more generally like people shouldn't have children unless they can afford them. It's irresponsible to have lots of children if you don't have a really high wage, you know, that kind of attitude. So they're targeting skint testicles at this point. Yes. Nice. Right. Okay. Exactly. And making it more of like a social concern. So it becomes much more pervasive as a influence in society rather than saying okay well we're going to put you in a prison and we're going to vasectomize you instead it's much more like should you really be having more children can you afford them more children wow so there's a shift in the narrative as like this is your responsibility were vasectomies about this time seen as like a, a good thing or were they sort of like you've been studying masculinity how does that sort of tally up with have a vasectomy and now you're no longer fertile how does like were they positive things yeah so there's a lot of conflict about this throughout especially the 60s and 70s as it's becoming more popular because on the one hand you've got people like the Simon Population Trust who are really pushing that it is great for men to be able to choose their fertility and everything it's also around the time of the supposed sexual revolution, you know, contraception's coming on the scene, the pill comes into Britain, that kind of thing. So there's more discussion about this generally, and it's seen as like a progressive new masculinity or something. Oh, okay. So kind of like the pills sexually liberated, you know, and now you can have sex with loads of people and not get pregnant. Exactly. But then because of that, there was a lot of concerns, well, there were concerns that men should not want a vasectomy, that they were somehow like psychopathic or <gasps> no. sexually deviant just for wanting a vasectomy. So people argued this in Parliament and stuff when it was being brought on the NHS. No, really? That, you know, no sane man. That you must be a psychopath. Yeah, that you must have something wrong with you to agree to it. Because when you think about sort of, now there isn't really a sort of an equivalent of the the vasectomy but i suppose like a hysterectomy would be a sort of comparable but it's a much more invasive operation but you hear a lot about women not being able to access a his or getting their tubes tied yes. without permission and doctors just won't give them one because they can't possibly know their own mind blah, 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 blah. but there was an equivalent for vasectomies yeah so it was very difficult for men to get vasectomies it was brought in with the expectation that you would only be allowed a vasectomy if you were happily married, your wife gave permission. Oh, wello. And you already had at least two children, but that was up to the discretion of the doctor. So sometimes they required you to have more children. I did not know that. So the qualifiers would be, you must be happily married. I'm not sure how you prove that. I think it's just that your wife agrees that you can have a vasectomy and that she's not worried that it's going to enable you to go and cheat. <gasps> oh, clever, sneaky. Because that was definitely a concern that kept coming up in newspapers and came up in a lot of the debates around it was, well, isn't this just going to enable men to go and cheat because they don't have to worry about getting their mistresses pregnant anymore? Because we all know that men don't cheat if there's no chance of getting anybody pregnant. Exactly, because that's the only reason that all these men aren't cheating is that they might get people pregnant. 
Oh my God. Right. Okay. It's with these things, you can kind of see there's a straggled, weird logic to it. Yeah. Like the logic doesn't make any sense. It's complete bollocks. But if you follow it, you can kind of see what they were. Oh my goodness. Right. So you've got to be happily married. You can't be trying to just run around like a dog with two dicks. Yeah. Because you won't get people at the duff. That's fine. You have got to already have had children and a doctor has to have signed off on this. Yeah, two doctors have to sign off on it because usually you had to get your GP's permission. Yeah. And then they would refer you to either a general surgeon or a urologist or whoever was going to do the vasectomy. And they would also have to agree. And when they were bringing it on the NHS, there were a lot of MPs saying, oh, we should also have a psychiatrist opinion. <laughs> See, you just don't hear this. You hear this a lot about when people want to get their tubes tied or have a hysterectomy. But this is very much the vasectomy. And this is the 60s that you said, 60s, 70s? This is 60s, 70s, but right the way through, like, I know men now who, because they're not married, have been told that they can't get a vasectomy until they're into their 30s or so. You know, doctors won't agree. They are reversible, right? They are reversible in most cases, but it's not guaranteed and it's a much more invasive procedure and it usually isn't done on the NHS. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so you would have to pay for it to be reversed. It's a much more complicated procedure because basically the ends of the vas deferens that they've cut and usually cauterized, so burned to stop them rehealing, they then have to like cut them off and reattach them. So it's quite fiddly. So some doctors are very good at it and say that they have like 95% plus success rates. Right. But a lot of them don't have success rates that high. Okay, so it's not as reversible as I, as I just assumed that it was. I just had this idea that you could just kind of go in and present to the doctor and just be like, sort it out. And then, oh no, sorry, I made a mistake. Please reverse this. But it's not like that. I mean, a lot of men can get it reversed and have good experiences and can get their partners pregnant after that. But it's usually, if you go in to get a vasectomy, the doctor says like, you need to think of this as a permanent thing. We might be able to reverse it after but you need to think of it as permanent and i'm gonna assume that the surgical methods have got better over time at reversing it but in the early ish days when people started using a vasectomy for birth control were there cases where it didn't work yes there were so they hadn't got quite as good at figuring it out when it had worked so at the minute if you go and get a vasectomy in the weeks afterwards, you will have to provide semen samples, which they will check to see if they're living sperm. And they say you have to use, you know, condoms or your partner on the pill or whatever until they can say you don't have any living sperm coming out. All clear. They hadn't quite realized that in the olden days in the 70s or whatever. Um, <laughs> the olden, everybody who lived in the 70s is now going to write angry emails. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> the olden, olden times. The the past times. Um, it's not true, no. everybody. The not so distant past. <laughs> it's counted as late modern history. So and People are now turning off in their dreams. I know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, anyway, in the 70s, they hadn't quite realised that. So there were quite a lot of newspaper articles that were saying, shock baby following vasectomy um oh dear and it was usually that the man hadn't done the testing and stuff but my favorite one was actually not a failed vasectomy although it was reported like it was it was a man went to get a vasectomy and two days later found out that his wife was pregnant with triplets oh and obviously she was pregnant <laughs> already you know she didn't get pregnant in the two days after that is unfortunate so he'd have been lying there with his nuts on an ice block to yeah. get over the pain, just as his missus turns over. It's just like, uh, darling, um, some news. Exactly. Oh so she was already pregnant. Well, like, what happened then? Was there any, like, recompense for... I mean, obviously, she was already pregnant, but, I mean, if there was a failed vasectomy... Yeah, not for her, but there were other cases... It was called wrongful birth cases. Wrongful. Oh. Um, so that you were wrongfully born. Oh, no, um, that's terrible. You were wrongfully born. There's a few different cases of these. Some in England. The most famous one was in Tayside, which is where I live at the minute. So I enjoy that. But they were cases where a couple had chosen not to have any more children. The man had got a vasectomy 
And for whatever reason, the vasectomy had failed. So I think one of them was actually that the vasectomy had reversed itself after a couple of years, which is very rare, but can happen where the tubes like reheal themselves. Like Wolverine testicles, like, you know, just healing itself. Yeah, extremely determined fertility there. That is determined, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. But because the couple said that they hadn't been warned that this was a possibility, the wife didn't realize she was pregnant. Like she knew something was going on, but she was like, no, I couldn't possibly be pregnant because my husband's had a vasectomy years ago. Why would this be an issue? So, you know, she completely ignored all the signs of it until it was essentially too late for her to get an abortion if she wanted one or to have any other options. So they sued the health board and also they sued the health board for quite a lot because their other children went to private school and they said, well, we have to send this child to private school now because it would be mean to not send her to private school. (laughs) But also we weren't expecting this expense. So you should have to pay for her to go to private school. And they won. Oh my God, that's genius. (laughs) I don't think you could do that today, but then you're all right. It's your child should go to private school if the others did, but you've also just had them officially labeled as a wrongful birth. Yeah. Like, what does that do to a child growing up knowing that your parents sued because they weren't meant to have you? Madge, if you were at Eton, you'd probably get over it. I mean, yes, yeah, <laughs> there's probably other issues going on there as well. But I think the health board argued, well, you could have put her up for adoption from birth. Oh, nice. That's compassionate. Yeah. Um, And the family were like, no, we're not doing that. But also you should have to pay for this. So yeah, there's a few cases. But obviously then doctors got a lot better at warning around that. You know, they would like make sure that their patients knew that it might Mm -hmm. heal itself or that these things might happen so that they didn't get sued again. I wonder if that person's still out there today, presumably wandering around. Probably. That's, wow, okay. So is there any point where it has been, vasectomies are really good, I'm dead proud that I've got one, this is brilliant, I don't know, like a vasectomy club, I don't know. So there were vasectomy ties. Like a tie around your neck tie? No. Yeah. So... (laughs) I thought you just like something you tied around your testicles for a second, <laughs> like a home DIY kit. Oh my God. Right. Okay, I'm very glad that that's not... Do not try that at home. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? No, So tell not. me about the ties. So this was in the mid 70s, the height of fashion. And a man who'd had a vasectomy decided to design a tie to advertise that. Wow. And this became supposedly a trend. I've only found a few newspaper articles of it and I've not found any evidence that anyone actually wore them. But there were newspaper articles about it. So there were a few different tie designs. Go on. One was just a V. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. One was a V with the two legs of the V being snipped. No. (laughs) Oh, no. Because that's like the the vast difference. I've had my spermatic cord seven. Yeah. And then one was an apple with incision lines and stitches on it and then underneath it said IOFB which stood for I only fire blanks <gasps> that is a statement piece it is they're quite striking and this caused like a moral panic because suddenly you know men were supposedly buying all these and wearing them and there were a few newspaper columnists who were concerned that men would wear these when they hadn't had a vasectomy to trick young women. Oh, that's very naughty. I was just listening to that story thinking, well, at least, you know, they're being responsible and they're kind of advertising in a weird way. Maybe it's supposed to be funny, but there were people using it just to get their end away. Well, I don't know that anyone used it for that, but there were definitely concerns around it. So there was one newspaper writer who said that... The way that some men would wear Eton ties when they hadn't gone to Eton, apparently this was a thing. I I don't know. But apparently they would wear Eton ties or whatever when they hadn't gone there to make themselves seem posher and whatever. That maybe men would wear vasectomy ties when they hadn't had a vasectomy to lure a woman. Because obviously if we saw somebody with a tie that said, I'm firing blanks, they'd be irresistible. Exactly. They said the only contraceptive benefit of these ties would be to hold up trousers. (laughs) I like that. 
But what about... So no one's doing that. At least I hope that they're not doing that. Maybe there's something to be said for reviving, you know, putting your own fertility status on a piece of your clothing, possibly. I'm on the pill. I think so. I would love to have, you know, some badges that are the little vasectomy symbols. There's a lot of cards. So if you go on like online shopping places and stuff, there's a lot of vasectomy celebration cards for, I guess, when a man gets a vasectomy. Are there really? And some of them say all juice, no bits with an orange on them. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, at least people can laugh. That's amazing. And so you can get these today. Yeah, you can get some of them today. I have not brought back the vintage designs yet. That might be a post PhD project. (laughs) congratulations on your vasectomy oh i love that right this sounds just weird but after everything we've been talking about probably not are vasectomies still popular today like are people still having them or is the rate decreased or i mean presumably if there's a card business behind this they must still be quite popular they are popular they have decreased since the early 2000s It's thought that some of that is because there's more options that are reversible for couples to choose. So, for example, IUDs and stuff have become more available. Yeah. And that means that there's less need for a permanent decision than there was before. Because if your only options are the pill, condoms and vasectomy, which is kind of what it was for a lot of the 60s, 70s, even 80s, Mm. then, yeah, usually after marriage men don't want to use condoms after having a couple of children women don't want to be on the pill for another 15 years potentially until they don't need it anymore so vasectomy becomes the kind of obvious choice whereas now there's a lot more choice around IUDs injections implants that kind of stuff so you said IUD and just for a second I thought that was an explosive device that they use that's not (laughs) that's IED I was going to say, that'd do it. When I went to get my first <laughs> IUD, I said, I'm here for a UTI. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> she was like, to get it treated? Or, and I was like, no, no, no. Like the one. <laughs> the one, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> but there is kind of like a big thing at the moment, isn't there, about the male pill and about male contraception? Yeah. Like what, what's the state with that? And again, so the thing that I hear about that a lot, and this might be completely anecdotal and unwarranted, But a lot of people have propositioned the idea of like, well, if you were with a lover and they said, don't worry, I'm on the pill. Would that cut it for you? I don't know. Well, that's like the vasectomy ties, isn't it? Yes, it is. How much do you trust word over some sort of proof? And I think that's one of the things it's invisible. How do you prove that, right? Yeah, you can't prove it. That's why you have a tie. Yeah, that's why you get a tie. I wish the NHS was just giving out these ties. It's like the sticker at the dentist. Well done, you did a good job. Here's your tie. But no, so... The male pill, they've done a few trials of it and the problem is that it's been given quite bad mental health side effects. And I think in one trial, they actually had a man complete suicide. Oh, Jesus, right. From being on the medication and a few other men saying that they were thinking about it and that it really affected their mental health. Wow. So I think there's kind of a narrative that like, oh, you know, women get side effects on the pill all the time. It's dangerous for women too. Why can't men kind of suck it up? But the thing is, the female pills came in in the 60s and stuff when there wasn't as important ethics around these tests. Whereas now it's like, no, if people are not surviving trials, we tend to end them. I didn't know that. That's quite severe, isn't it? Yeah, but the narrative around it tends to be, oh, men can't cope with the headaches. Bunch of wimps. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas actually there's been quite severe side effects. But I do actually know someone personally who was on two of the trials and said it was the best thing ever. And after they finished, he went and got a vasectomy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That is interesting. So even after that, he thought he'd go and get a vasectomy. Yeah, because he realized that it wasn't going to come on the market. You know, he wasn't going to be able to get these pills after finishing the trial. No. So he said, well, I actually really enjoyed not having to think about this during the time that I was on the trial. I didn't get terrible side effects or anything. Yeah. So why wouldn't I just go and get a vasectomy then? That's interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, this has been absolutely fascinating. We should probably finish by saying vasectomies are safe. They are very safe. They are very good choices if it's something that you want to do. A lot of doctors will do them now if you're single, if you haven't had children, that kind of thing. But sometimes it takes a little bit of, yes, I'm very sure that I want it. 
But yes, I have interviewed many men who are very happy with their vasectomies for this project. So that is a fantastic place to leave it. But we will just say if you turn up and your surgeon has got monkeys or guinea pigs in the back of the surgery, just run. Unless they're therapy guinea pigs. Unless they're therapy guinea pigs. You could hold one <laughs> to comfort you. <laughs> During the operation, yeah. just stroking the guinea It'll be all right. It'll be all right. Guinea pigs going, <laughs> If people want to find you after this, and I'm sure that they will, if they want to follow up on your research, how can people find you? I am on Twitter at Snip. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Hist, as in the history of the SNP. So S-N-I-P-H-I-S-T. That is brilliant. What a fantastic handle. And thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and horror, but mostly a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been brilliant. Thank you. So there we go. Thanks for listening. Next time on Patented, we will be starting an exciting new mini-series called Inventing Bond. And it's all about the inventions and gadgets that turned James Bond into a cinema icon. We're going to be beginning with an episode all about the real Q. See you then. While I still have you, very briefly, if you fancy getting all of the History Hit podcast archive and new episodes ad-free, along with hundreds of history documentaries to watch, download our app across Apple App Store, Google Play, and smart TV platforms. Follow the link in the show notes, or go to historyhit.com slash subscribe. There is thousands of hours of history on there, including a documentary on science in the Middle Ages with Seb Folk, and also one with me talking about the secret history of the space race. As a patented listener, you get a special gift if you use the code Patented at the checkout, you get 50% off your first three months. That's patented for 50% off your first three months. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free podcast episodes within the Apple app.